Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. You can connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's trying to get Brandon Jones his back pay from Texax, <laughs> Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? That's a solid one. That's a good joke. If you're unaware, the name and image likeness uh, Texax is, is using to funnel tens of thousands of dollars to for interviews uh for texas aggies players which again there's just there's so many layers of fun and hilarity um built into that story but i'm not here to talk about texas name aggies they're here to talk about us but i don't want to reciprocate let's pretend like they don't exist uh except for Joe's brilliant joke but uh joe we got some good stuff to talk about and i want to tell you it's july what are we 19th when we're recording this middle of july Gerald, for Christmas in July, I'm just going to give you a little sneak preview. Be watching for your doorstep because I got you a beautiful Horns Down t-shirt because it's amazing. (laughs) We put this out on Twitter, and it might be our most successful tweet of all time. But the fact that a podcast that is hosted by an A&M fan and a Mississippi State fan that spent an ent- spend most of their time saying that Texas is irrelevant and A&M is better and the SEC is better than the Big 12, that they took the time to make merch. We live in a world where the Onion can't write headlines that are, that are wild <laughs> enough to match what on God's green earth is going on in the world because dumb stuff like that happens all the time. But what Kyle is alluding to is the internet's overreaction to the Big 12's taunting decision. Kyle, I give the Big 12's taunting choices six horns downs down, <laughs> which is theoretically 12 fingers down. But it's awful, right? It's it, One, it's a taunting rule. It's not a horns down rule. But two, what, like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? It, is it, it, are horns down down actually horns up? I don't know. I just know. Look, guys, I, here's, I'm going to give you the definitive evidence. Daily Texan, probably the most uh, award-winning student uh, newspaper. Obviously, all of UT student media, media, Texas student media, I should say, when I was on the board back in the day, uh, is elite, is wonderful. But back when I was on campus, we used to have a, a recurring column in our student newspaper called Horns Up, Horns Down. And on things that were good, we put the horns up. And on things that were bad, they called it Horns Down. Our own school newspaper has been doing that. It is not a big deal. No one cares. If you listen to this podcast and it affects you when a 19-year-old turns his horns down, then I'm sorry it also greatly affected you when someone killed you with a not joke or uh, or gave you a fart noise with, with a thumbs down. You know, it's like these things are juvenile and they literally don't matter. A single iota. Like, who cares? Um, the fact that they are doing it, I mean, you know what I'll say is I guess it's great that they are keeping it um, for the first time, I guess, just across the board unanimous. If you went into the swamp and chomped at a Florida guy, you would also get a, a penalty. Or if you tomahawk chopped at a Florida State player, you would also get a penalty. Like they took, because of things that University of Miami did in the 80s, they took fun out of football and you can't celebrate and dance. And you certainly can't taunt. Um, and that's, we're just used to that. That's fine. That's, that is what it is. I don't know why this is a big deal. It's just keeping with the rules that have been in 
college sports for 30 years. So I guess they had to say it out loud. Um, but I don't think it matters who the heck cares. I certainly don't. And the, the funniest thing about this is it's actually a decades long, a decade long overreaction to a horns down, not being flagged and a Texas player being flagged for holstering the guns after going 75 yards on a Texas tech defense in a stadium that fans were throwing crap onto the field. You're right. Uh, my dad's old school. If you ever heard me talk about it, my dad's old school. He's an immigrant and he's old school. And I remember after a peewee football game, we got absolutely roasted by this quarterback. First time in my in my peewee football history, any of my football history, that I played a scrambling quarterback, a dual threat quarterback. Most of the time, it was just a guy that stand in the pocket and I'd tackle him because I was twice as big as his offensive lineman. This guy shook me out of my skates multiple times. They ran up the score on us. After the game, I was pissed, right? My dad looked at me in the face. And he said, why are you mad? I said, they ran up the score on us. That's not cool. And he said, son, what position do you play? Defensive tackle. It's on defense, right? Yeah. Well, what's your job? Keep them from scoring. Then don't get mad when they score if you're not doing your job. Don't get mad at the other team for taunting if they go 75 yards and if they score, if they beat you, right? That It's just part of sports. It's a game. It is what it is. But that we spent way too much real estate <laughs> talking about the horns down or the taunting rule, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, it was great. Some good stuff came out of Big 12 Media Days. Um, Sark had a lot to say. He commented on expectations with the roster, how it's a lot more capable than most teams that you take over when you take over to, uh, school. He talked about them being 7-3 and three, uh, off a combined 13 points, so he's hoping that they can improve pretty quickly. He uh, talked about the expectations at the University of Texas being really high, and really he wants to get the team to play consistently. Still has not named a starter, but he said it's a luxury to have two guys that are going to make it hard for him. Name several players standing out. We'll, we'll come to the fairy dust and winning is hard thing in a minute. But, Kyle, of all the stuff, Sark gave us a lot of good stuff. And what jumped out to you the most about his comments uh, in Dallas? Uh, I, I mean, I think he gets it, right? I think every time you see Sarkeesian speak, you, you, you hope and you, you kind of are waiting the enormity of the job, of the pressure, of the boosters, of the fans, of the whatever to, to – to, overwhelm him or feel like he, he's missing something or he's not getting I think he gets it I think when he talks about expectations of the University of Texas when people ask him about you know what a bad decade it's been doing right he, he's let's look forward what have we done right you know the expectations are high because this is the University of Texas the standards very very high he came from Alabama so he's not going to be phased by that but now he's the head coach and he's seeing it for himself and it really seems like he gets it and he understands you know what needs to be said he understands how important the high school coaches are in this state. It's, it just feels like he gets it. And, and, and I like that um, because it's his first year and we know it won't be a hundred percent his team. I have been very curious just about kind of piecing together, doing some, uh, some, you know, uh, mathematical uh, whiteboard calculations, you know, like the famous scene in Silicon Valley, um, extrapolating far too much in this equation about the things he's saying or not saying and what that actually means. Um, but what I'm trying to piece together is, you know, on this roster, who does he just come in and say, ooh, those are dudes. And it seems like he thinks they're on there. And he named off some guys, obviously said the offense is going to run through Bijan. Surprise, surprise. Um, he talked about Sean Jameson. Um, <laughs> exactly. He talked about Jordan Whittington, Christian Jones. A lot of the names we like to hear. Some of the transfer guys coming in. Um, I think for me, the thing with Sark, the biggest thing is is it, it 
doesn't sound like a guy who's up there scared or a guy who's up there laying out his pre-excuses necessarily, but a guy who thinks that they can do a thing this year and thinks that if, if people will buy in and believe in and, 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 and do the things the way that he thinks they should be done, that they can have success pretty quickly within one year, two years, three years, be at the level that he thinks this team should be at. And, and so if nothing else, that's, that's what I like. Sark feels like they've got a lot more in the cupboard. We've talked about this before, that the cupboard was really bare when Charlie Strong got there. It was more bare than people are willing to admit, right? Tom Herman got a pretty flush cupboard. And so, it's in, again, it's still boggling my mind that he got an additional year. It's okay, right? But Sark inherits a team that's got a lot of talent. He gets a team that's got some guys that were part of like top five recruiting classes. He pulls in some transfer guys that were five stars. He got Xavier Worthy, who's a guy who could play at basically any school in the country. So he's got pieces and we talked about it a lot. Uh, we talked about it online that like the defense was really actually pretty solid last yeah. year. Very, very serviceable. Don't look at, don't look at the, the annual numbers because those are inflated by an overlay six overtime game in the second week. Right. But like when you look at what the defense did week to week, they were really solid. They were third. I think they were third in the conference in points per drive. And so like the ability to play a good defense, if, P if PK can put them in position, those guys can play a little bit of ball. And so Texas was a couple of offensive stinkers away from being undefeated. Tech, we, I put it out there on Twitter. I was talking to Doc Texas and Texas had three games where they had a negative points per drive, a negative net points per drive, meaning that the offense scored fewer points per drive than the defense. And the defense held the other team to like two and a half in most of those games, which is a if you can hold your team, hold an opponent to two and a half ish points per drive with modern offense, you should be doing OK. Yeah. And so the fact that Texas was negative on those three games pretty dicey texas lost all three of them so i think sark is, is saying the right things and again we, we people got kind of triggered because he, he did the fairy dust thing and he did the winning is hard thing but like the context the fuller context of that quote is actually what a guy in sark's shoes should say Right? I want to read the whole thing. The point of it all is that we can't sit back and relax and think because we've got a great stadium, because we've got great resources, because we've got five, uh, five-star, four-star players, that we just sprinkle a little fairy dust on it, and all of a sudden we're a really good football team. Winning is hard, and it takes work. Winning takes perseverance. Winning takes grip. Winning takes great teamwork, great leaders, and great teammates, and an awesome culture. We are like a year removed from Texas dropping a game at home to a team that they should have blown off the field and a player going on the podium and saying five-star culture beats five-star players. That is exactly what our freak, I want our head coach to say, is that. Is that just because you you the University of Texas, just because you had the five stars, just because you had a little number next to your name in the recruiting rankings doesn't mean jack. That's what I want our coach to say. I don't care if he echoed Tom Herman and y'all are triggered by it. That's the attitude that this team needs to adopt. I don't think when he said that he was making excuses at all. And, and that's, the, that's the point is I don't think he was saying it came in very different context. When, when Tom Herman said winning is hard, it was after the second time losing to Maryland and barely beating uh, a Tulsa team that turned out to be okay. But you don't think that, that you know, should be within a touchdown of Texas. Um, but that's when Tom said, well, we won and winning, winning is hard, you know, which uh, again was about the point that I almost, I wanted to agree with him that it is in fact, it is hard. 
to win football games, but the context and the kind of def- pre-defensiveness that that, that that just oozed in the type of mindset and mentality. Um, anyways, uh, but I don't, again, words might be similar and can have incredibly different context and meaning. That's an important thing that we could all take. If you take nothing away from this podcast, take that, that words require the context that they're in and, and, and you should, you should, read things and uh, carefully kind of um, suss that out before reacting. That That's just a general life rule that in 2021, the entire world could, could benefit from. But I, I think Sark said the right things. I don't think there was a single thing wrong. I don't know if it was intended to be a, um, a callback. I, I, Sark's a smart guy. I don't know what his Mensa score is, but he's a smart guy. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe <laughs> it was a bit of a a callback uh, saying, I know the history here. I know what the, the last guy said and I'm going to say it different. I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't dislike it in any way. So Sark wasn't the only one there. Bijan Robinson and our friends, Keandre Snacks Coburn, which by the way, we need, like Frito-Lay needs to get that kid on the payroll and, and have him uh, sponsor some sort of snack mix. Again, it'd be, be a smart thing to do. But Bijan talked about having the speed of guys like Xavier Worthy and actually compared him to Cherry Judy, which is high praise. Um, Sark also talked about having having speed at wide out is um, a big component to take the top off the defense. He mentioned Worthy specifically. So I, I, that wide receiver group, we're going to preview them next week. We're taking a week off of our previews because some other big things happen. Fine, but we'll obviously keep covering Texas throughout the, the offseason and uh, we'll, we'll keep previewing the long horns uh much like we will on the other side of this break we are we are somehow six weeks away from college football at least in a meaningful way let's forget week zero but we're barreling through our season previews and so we're going to continue on we had OU last week and now we've got Oklahoma State this week and so to help us out our friend Micah Allen managing editor of Cowboys Ride for Free is with us You've seen her on Twitter, you've seen her on Twitch, but now she's here with us on the Burn Orange Nation podcast. Micah, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? We are doing swell. It's always a good time when we have good people on the podcast. Uh, we like people to distract from Gerald and I's ridiculousness. And you know, you, you bring you bring a big old brain as well as a lot of personality to the podcast, so we always love having you. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. I, I appreciate following Kim here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, tough act to follow. I think we had I think we had Melissa, Kamiar, and then you. Like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good uh, good run. Big, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the the Big Twelve Twitter podcast community ish thing. It's actually just really a group of incredible people. Let's just be honest here. Everybody right. Not too shabby. Right. Just because we're a part of it. Is <laughs> okay. So uh, let's. <laughs> If you're, if you're new to the podcast, what we're doing is each and every week, uh, we are previewing an opponent on the Texas schedule leading up to the season kickoff. And so we have done a bunch of those already, and you can check those out well back through your podcast feed over the last, well, six weeks. And so we're hitting Oklahoma State. And so let's start off at the top. Uh, Micah, it's, it's season number 16 for Mike Gundy, who's coming off a somewhat disappointing season. They were projected to be in the running for a conference championship. I think they got some first-place votes even last year. Uh, But they ended up fourth in the conference by virtue of the Big 12's weird tiebreaker rule. So, you know, we don't really have our finger on the pulse of what's going on in in, in Stillwater and the conversation around Mike Gundy. Like, what what are people's feelings about his tenure and kind of where he sits at right now after kind of – 
couple of disappointing runs. So there is a, I would say, fairly large portion of the fan base that's over Gundy. They're tired of not winning Bedlam. They're they're tired of a, a fairly decent bowl game kind of seeming like our ceiling, you know. And but at the same time, I think there's another portion that of of these same fans that's like at this point who are we going to get that's better right and is winning bedlam worth you know what might happen if we do get a new coach do get a new hire he's like the 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 bad boyfriend that you you can't you can't break up with because you can't you don't feel like you're ever going to find anybody better <laughs> that's kind of the situation that Oklahoma State fans are in right now I feel like so yeah I mean they're, they're over it I think a lot of them are but at the same like I said at the same time I don't think that his job is at stake necessarily his seats possibly maybe a little lukewarm um but it's I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like a make or break season for Gundy like I think he's gonna finish out the rest of this next contract regardless uh, or uh, <clears throat> this past contract. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. So you're settling for Gundy <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> there, there was a famous Texas coach who once said, dance with the ones who brung you. And uh, Gundy, Gundy brung you. You know, you've, you've, you've done well. He's, he's brung, uh, and I, I will go back to using proper grammar, he has brought in uh, multiple uh, really, really great players on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But one of the... Players who Gerald and I, maybe more rationally than 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 most college football fans, have, have sweated over for a couple years now. He's coming back for his third year. Spencer Sanders is, uh, I mean, again to me, just the at his apex if he does what he can do uh, with legs and arm at the same time at, at full capacity. One of the scariest players um, in the Big Twelve. Bit of an up and down year for him, but ended on a high note. You know, just roasting the the Hurricanes and, and getting the MVP of the bowl game. Um, what is what are expectations for Sanders and what does progress look like it now in, in his fourth year in the system? I mean, I, he, he's, he's like you said, he's, he's a third year quarterback. I would expect him to be poised, uh, prepped. I don't want to see any sort of deer in headlights type situations like we've seen with him before at some points. I, I want that to go away. Um, Gundy didn't help the pressure on Spencer at Virtual Media Days when he said, I felt like that he improved more in two months this spring than he did in the last two years. You know, Gundy seems like he feels super good about Spencer and where he's at right now. Um, and that makes you feel good as somebody that, you know, has eyes on the team. The pressure is on Spencer this year. I think he's an upperclassman now and it, it's no more being baby. Like you're, you're a big kid now. Go, go be a big 12 college football quarterback you know so we'll see if he's able to rise up to that challenge i have faith that he will because i feel like every time spencer would get to what we thought he could be something would happen somebody on the offensive line would get hurt he got hurt you know different things like that so i really hope that this season he's able to get just a normal season with no major major hiccups i'm excited to see what he can do yeah, it it seemed like he was a, he's been a little snake bit over these last few years. So it's, it's um, and you know you had other players come in and, and get some snaps and look okay, but uh, he's very clearly like 
I still have nightmares of the game two years ago when Texas had no answers for him. And I, again, thought about that today and honestly almost poured myself a drink. It was that bad. He's, he's, he's such a talented kid. You want to see him excel and thrive in a, in a system that's honestly built for guys with his skill set. So the man we're sad to see leave, the guy that Kyle and I love quite a bit, Chuba Hubbard, he, he's gone to, to greener pastures. He's, he's gone to the NFL, but uh, Oklahoma State brings back Desmond Jackson, and, who took advantage of, of some carries he got last year. And in spite of common thoughts, in spite of common uh, sentiment around the Oklahoma State offense, Mike Gundy likes to run the ball. He likes to put the ball in the in the hands of his running back. So uh, is, is Jackson going to be the guy? Is, is LD Brown going to be the guy? Is it going to be a committee situation? Like, what's who's going to be carrying the load for uh, Oklahoma State trying to fill the shoes of a man who once felt like he rushed for a billion yards. I uh, I think Jackson is is your guy. I think he's got recency bias on his side. He's got that bowl game where he just really stood out to me, you know, and toward the end of last season, not just the bowl game, um, I think he really stood out and kind of put himself on the coach's radar and things like that. Um, you know, LD's, I, I think LD's still going to get carries because I think that the staff has kind of learned their lesson with trying to put all the carries on one running back. You know, I, I think like I, I think he'll still get carries, but overall, I think Jackson stood out to me a little bit more than than LD did last season, and so I think he ends up getting a majority of the carries in 2021. Either way, it's it feels like they've always they've always got guys, and and uh, we, we talked about Chuba being gone. Another. Again, all-time Longhorn killer and just uh, elite college football player. Player now in my Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Tylen Wallace uh, is is leaving. Uh, thank the heavens. And uh, Dylan Stoner, another longtime just solid contributor, also um, heading heading uh, ex- ex- as a uh, leaving the college ranks, heading to the next level. Um, there's always guys uh, for the the receiver room. Um, why? Uh, who, who should Texas fans know, be worried about, be thinking about this year? Who's going to step up and be the guy? So on my list first, I've got Brennan Presley. He had a huge game in the Cheez-It Bowl because Tylen ended up at halftime. He ended up sitting out first of the game. And so Brennan Presley went in and he really impressed me, really stood out to me, had a great game in the Cheez-It Bowl. And he ended up kind of continuing on that momentum during the spring game and kind of was the talk of the spring game. And so I think he's going to be the guy. He was a Gatorade player of the year in high school. Um, just a really solid, solid wide receiver. Um, and then in addition to that, you've got transfer out of, I believe, Washington State, uh, Tay Martin. Gundy talked about at Big Media Days, him taking that Z spot. So you've got Two wide receivers in Presley and Martin that I think could make a really, really solid duo for Oklahoma State this next season. That's, you know, like I said, I, what I heard from you is uh, that that's we have we have good guys, but but you don't have necessarily this guy is guaranteed first team all conference sniffing all American or 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 is there that upside there? To me, I think that upside there that upside is there for Presley. I just don't know if next year is going to be the year that that happens. I think he needs another year to grow um, before I'm willing to like say that type of stuff about him. But he's definitely that type of player. He's that caliber of player, I think. 
Mike, Mike Gundy has never been at a loss for recruiting wide receivers. That's always my it's always my rule of thumb. When Texas offers a guy that Mike Gundy has already offered, I'm like, okay, no need to watch the tape, no need to eval. Uh, Gundy's got it. So let's let's flip let's flip sides and, and take a look at the defense. Oklahoma State people kind of looked past this for a little bit, but they were one of the better defenses in the conference a year ago. They were actually like just a, a hundredth of a point, point zero one behind Iowa State. Who everyone's like, they've got a great defense. Um, and defensive efficiency a year ago, points per drive. And so uh, they bring back their leading tackler who took the extra year, Trey Sterling, who was a safety that led the team in tackles for loss. Uh, Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, a bunch of names coming back. Like, what do you, what are the expectations? Do you see this defense kind of being the lead for Oklahoma State as the offense tries to figure out who its playmakers are going to be? Yeah, yeah, I totally see that happening. Um, you know, I, I think that, they have done a fantastic they, they were great last year they saved our butts in a lot of games last year and you know I, I think that that could definitely be a possibility to continue um this next season especially with through the first couple of weeks um like you were talking about you know as the offense is getting their footing as they're kind of figuring out who their main playmakers are going to be um i definitely think the defense is going to have to step up to the plate and i think that this defense has the ability to do so you know you, you've got like you were talking about all Malcolm rodriguez you've got trace ford who is going to be in all big 12 before he graduates he's phenomenal and you know you've got a leader in trace sterling and and malcolm you know you've got quite a bit of experience on this defense one of the other big returners that i wrote down in my notes to talk about was Colby Harvell Peel. He originally said that he was going to the NFL, but then was like, no, nah, I'm going to come back. Um, so that was huge news for OSU fans. Very welcome news for OSU fans. You know, I, I think that he's going to be a big part of this defense next year or this upcoming year. And <clears throat> just, he's going to be, offenses are going to have bad dreams about Colby Harvell Peel. <laughs> if they weren't already. If they weren't already, yeah, definitely this next year. Um, you know, because I, I feel like, you know, whenever you do something like that, you say, I'm coming back, you know, you I feel like you gotta have this little chip on your shoulder. You know, you gotta have a I came back for a reason, right? Like I, I came yep. back to, to 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 get this team where it needs to be. And so I think he's gonna be playing with a little chip on his shoulder too. So yeah, overall, I'm really excited to see this defense. And and you have you know you replace a guy, Radarius uh, Williams, but you have Derek Bernard Converse, another hyphenated uh, terror potentially in the in the backfield. Um, I thought Thomas Harper might be the other corner, but I'm hearing he might have moved positions, um, maybe playing a safety spot this year. Um, so I mean, is that? Is that secondary going to kind of be like the we've seen Iowa State kind of uh, innovate in, in, in the Big 12 kind of a lot of West Virginia does some, TCU does some of, of multiple safeties, kind of fluid a little bit. Um, guys can line up different spots. Is, is that kind of what, what we should expect in the in the backfield from, from the defense? Yeah, that, that makes that, – that, that definitely checks out. Um, you know, I think – I don't know if the staff quite knows what they want to mm. do with Thomas yet. And so I could definitely see them using, you know, a couple of the non-conference games to kind of put him in different spots and see where he fits and kind of, you know, see how the puzzle is going to form together. And I think that'll be really interesting to watch and see what happens there. You know, I definitely do see the backfield being 
the strong part of this defense, even though, you know, the line is, is, is good. We have some, you know, solid veterans on, on the defensive line. You know, I, I think the backfield is bread and butter of this defense is going to lie. And like I, like I said, I think they are going to experiment a little bit and see what they can do. So, I mean, you, you said that, that that'll be something to watch for. And, and we're always curious because, you know, we look at the opposing teams through a, a lens of one game a year, right? We, we keep an eye the whole year, but um, for you, you're watching this team the entire year. What's the storyline that you're watching the closest for this season? I've got a couple, but the one that I would say I'm watching most closely is new offensive coordinator Casey Dunn in year two. There were some moments last year that did not impress me, you know, and so I'm curious to see in year two if he gets a little more freedom as far as you know, play calling. And, you know, I'm curious to see if he kind of is settling in the the role a little bit more, Um, you know, so I'm curious to see what improves um, in a Casey Dunn offense in year two behind it. I think that 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 is uh, something we'll all have our eyes on. I think if that, if that sophomore jump happens, like it usually does, uh, Look out for the conference. So let's let's move on, and, and we know we, we want to talk the sports stuff, but we obviously and honestly really enjoy this next section a little bit more. So I, we prepared you for these previous questions, did prepare you for these, and so we're going to ask you to shoot from the hip in our no. section called "Shooting from the Hip." <laughs> we're not going to throw hard balls at you. That's not what we do. So first question: Shoot from the hip, Gundy's mullet. Do you miss it? Uh, honestly. No, <laughs> I don't miss talking Fair. about it. I don't miss writing Fair. about it. <laughs> um, but and hopefully this means that Gundy is all business, no party. <laughs> <laughs> business in the front like and the back. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I do not miss the mullet. All right, good, good to know. As those of us who who have to write about Oklahoma State again, only infrequently, it is, you know, okay, there goes our, our easy lead and segue and, and uh, you know, now we got to actually do our jobs. But uh, keeping it Mike Gundy, name and image likeness right now has just come out um, for the players. And it's, it's you know, it's going to affect college football in ways we haven't fully comprehended. But it's interesting. It's fun to think about, fun to write about. Let's rewind the clock. Imagine it's the 1980s. A young spry Mike Gundy is the quarterback of the Oklahoma State Cowboys and let's say name and image likeness comes then. Who's Mike Gundy selling his name and image likeness to as a hotshot 22-year-old? I feel like Gundy in the 80s was 100% like ladies' man. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But also, I mean, today's Gundy is very much redneck, down to his roots, <laughs> Oklahoma kid you know I'm gonna go with like a bait and tackle shop <laughs> okay okay that's fair that's fair you, the, put, the bait, put, the, the put bait. Gundy's face on some bait <laughs> bait and tackle works for a football player right? Absolutely. like the tackle is built in different context but still it's there it's totally there okay so this is this is a weird question but so Oklahoma State kind of has its it's flag in the sand as the the wrestling school of the Big Twelve, right? There's not a and really one of the the best in the country, right? Texas has the same for swimming, right? And so if you had to pick summer Olympics right around the corner, 
theoretically, if people stop testing positive for COVID. But if you had to pick one of these Olympic sports, whether it's wrestling or swimming, and you had to go out and compete, which one would you go with and why? Well, considering I'm 4'11", <laughs> and if I wrestled, somebody could just pick me up and snap me like a twig. <laughs> I feel like I would do much better at swimming. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I feel like I would do much better. Plus, I already love the water. I love to swim, so I'm gonna go with swimming. So if I had to compete, I would compete as a swimmer. You're going for the anti Michael Phelps. I want to get many short strokes in, uh, as opposed to the guy who's like six seven, uh, and and not the low center of gravity. They can't get underneath you wrestling. Okay, I like it. I like. No, no, I, I like where your head's at, honestly. You you're you, you think outside the box and I, I honestly appreciate that. Um all right, so this one, we're keeping it off the wall. Um we're gonna talk about a, a person from uh the great state of Oklahoma. Uh McAllister, Oklahoma, I believe, is where she was born, the Queen of Country. Everyone knows her now as a as a resident of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh Reba McIntyre. I don't know if you knew this, but Reba McIntyre, since 2020, has been dating Oklahoma State alumni Rex Lynn. You may all know him as Frank Tripp from CSI Miami, the guy with the horseshoe. Nice guy. Um, Reba's niece, Calamity uh, McIntyre, recently joined the Texas women's basketball program under Vic Schaefer as an assistant coach. So Saturday comes, this game we are talking about in question. Make your pitch for Reba to cheer for her beau's alma mater as opposed to her niece's, uh, I guess, school of employ and the particular shade of orange. I feel like if you if you, if you want to ever get married, you're a fool for Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That, that, that belongs on a t-shirt somewhere. And also, get <laughs> and also, and also, that would prevent a lot of fights with the person that you are probably sharing residence with. Seems fair. Seems fair. Happy household. Don't want the house divided. Micah, we really appreciate you uh, taking some time out to answer our ridiculous questions here. So if people want to follow you, find out more of what you got, where can they find you on the internet? So uh, the Cowboys Ride to Free Twitter account, um, you can find us at at CowboysRFF. Um, my personal Twitter at Micah Allen 18. Um, that's also my Instagram. Um, and then I am like Gerald mentioned at the beginning of the episode. I also stream on Twitch. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at M underscore Allen three one three. Awesome. Micah, thank you so much for taking the time out. We really appreciate it. I always have fun with you guys. Thanks guys. Always a pleasure. So that's the part of the show where we whip around the coverage and we look at all the other things on the docket and we down the 40 so the major league baseball draft was not quite done when we hit your podcast feed last week so a quick rundown ty madden uh, signed with detroit at the first in the first round uh for a reported two and a half million dollars big on him uh mike antico was drafted by the st louis cardinals in the eighth round he's also signed cole quintanilla signed with the washington nationals um i have a designated hitter ivan melendez was drafted in the 16th round um and he's announcing at some point uh, in the next couple of days hopefully we'll hear from him soon uh 
Right-handed pitcher Colby Kubelchek uh, was drafted by the Mets in the 18th round, has yet to sign. Uh, infielder Cam Williams was drafted by the Kansas City Royals in the 19th round. He did sign, and then first baseman Zach Zubia was drafted by Miami in the 20th round, and he signed as well. So, Texas losing some players, but... The entire 2022 signing class, which you and I honestly both thought would be ravaged by the Major League Baseball draft, did not. All of the 2022 class will be in Austin, including number 14 in the state right-handed pitcher, um, Josh Stewart, and third baseman Gavin Cash, who a lot of people thought would end up in the league as well. Yeah, I think getting getting that whole class is great. There's a lot of talent in there. Um uh, we'll talk a little bit about that third base position. But Gavin Cash is a guy who could have something to say about coming in and, and filling in for Cam Williams immediately. There's so many arms. We're going to talk a little bit about projected rotation. We could talk it now. We can talk it as we get closer. I don't know that anyone knows because there are legitimately probably 10 guys who could who could be the guy who could get in the starting or be the, the, the first guy. Uh, out of the bullpen. So, um, you know, Josh Stewart is, is certainly going to throw his name in the mix. You got some really talented guys from last year, a couple freshmen, all American who will get in there. There's, there's returning talent. It just, it's, it's adding to a stocked cupboard. We knew what we would lose. It was, went about as ideal as you could have. We knew Madden was gone. Antico couldn't play anymore. Um, we, everyone had a pretty good feeling. Cam Williams was gone as well as Zach Zuby had been there for 10 years. So um, that was effectively it. If Melendez comes back, then this draft will really have turned out kind of about as good as we could. Colby Kubchek is a guy I'm, I'm kind of surprised but glad he got drafted. I don't think he'll come back just because he was replaced in that starting lineup already this year, and I don't think he really has a path back to it. So going to the pros is actually the more effective route to playing time, which it's a crazy thing to say, um, or he may not actually improve his stock by coming back is another way to say it. But just two interesting notes. In the 20th round, two guys who played on the Texas team before, a guy we love, Cam Fields, who transferred to Texas Southern, uh, ended up being drafted in the 20th round by Tampa Bay. He touched 97 this year. He was, if not the fastest, one of the two fastest uh, pitchers in the country. So, so great for him. And then Brendan Dixon, a guy who played a couple games for, for Texas, went to a junior college and then committed to Arkansas, but he was actually drafted in the 20th uh, round by the Pirates and said he plans to sign. So will not be heading to Arkansas. So again, just uh, suck it, Arky. Keeping in that theme, baseball continued to get better over the weekend. Tristan Stevens said, we got some unfinished business to do. A guy who was a little bit of a Saturday starter, a little bit of a Sunday starter, but always efficient on the mound, which people who watch these games sometimes late at night really appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, in 18 starts, he went 11-3, and three, had a 3-3-1 ERA, and held opponents to a 2-4-8 batting average, which is really impressive. Uh, we'll talk more about what the pitching staff looks like next year. Texas got some help along the base pass and behind the plate as well. Skyler Messenger uh, travel, uh, transferring from Kansas. He was actually an all-conference uh, all player. He hit 324 with two home runs and 39 RSBI, led Kansas in essentially all of the batting categories this last year uh, and hit 19 doubles, which tied him for 12th annually. And then a guy who made the best decision of his life left College Station and moved to Austin. Uh, catcher Kimball... We're going Schusler is what we're going with is transferring from AM. The only uh, he didn't see a ton of time in games, but the only time he did his one hit was a basis clearing double. Yeah, Schusler will probably back up Arduan with Petrinsky graduating and Peyton Powell likely to move into the DH spot with Melendez moving into the first base spot with Zubia going pro. Um, again, Melendez could choose to sign, but it seems 
70-30 right now that he might come back. And, and the main thing is he wants to get some tape that he has a defensive side to his game and not just a hitter. So he will likely be a starter at first base, opening that DH spot up. And Powell had some good pinch hits. So, uh, so again, Schusler slots in uh, to, to have a good role there. I just think um, it's always great, you know, when you do the cap program like that, when you go to kind of a smaller school um, in the state of Texas with the idea that if you do well, you can get bumped up to, to the big school, to the University of Texas. So Kimball Schusler did it in, in a way I hadn't seen before going to the, um, is it Blend? No, no, I guess A&M uh, in, in College Station um, there and, and making his way up to, uh, to a real school. So uh, excited for, for him. Football recruiting side, Texas won a big recruiting battle against the Oklahoma Sooners, adding four-star defensive back Austin Jordan from Denton Ryan, number 198 nationally, ranks at number 11 at safety and number 33 in the state, but has some positional versatility in the secondary, which, again, our coaches enjoy. Uh, Six-foot, 190-pound guy, doesn't have updated track numbers, but for context, ran a 10-9 as a freshman, so probably gotten faster since. Just throwing that out there. He was thought to be an OU lock heading into the into the decision. Uh, took three visits, one to OU, one to Oklahoma State, one to OU, one to Ohio State, and then to Texas. Um, and so there's a there's a again Texas's secondary recruiting is still up in the air. They've got a lot of uh, high star irons in the fire, and so we'll see how that shakes out uh, here in the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, getting that Denton Ryan pipeline open we got jatavian sanders they maybe took one of ours uh uh but uh keeping denton ryan is is a good thing for recruiting in the state of texas uh not to mention dude's, dude's just a player himself but uh i like i like that pipeline being being hot absolutely got some nfl upside on him but now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions at all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this well, so uh, I don't have like a single thing that I want to bang the drum on. I want to talk about the three best things uh, I, I saw this week. So the first of which, and it's a married man, full uh, control and and comfortability with my masculinity. Um, Troy O'Meary posted a, a photo, or there was a photo posted of him um, shirtless with about a, a 12-pack standing next to the probably the best receiver on the planet right now or, or Let's call it top two. Um, DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins look like the aspiring pro standing next to the NFL elite player. Like, that's not a joke. Uh, Troy O'Meary looked just like his muscles were about to burst out of his skin. He looked taller. His hands looked at least the same size. He just looked like, I don't know if there's been a player who has had more internet buzz who has never played a snap uh, of football in two years, um, you know, than, than T.O. Uh, the nickname fits to generate the buzz. But uh, just just a guy who coaches raved about injury, robbed him of playing last year. He's in his second year, but will be effectively a freshman. So he medically redshirted last year. Um, so a guy who who as we talk about exciting options on the offense, should definitely be included in that. Um, another guy who's just an absolute athletic freak. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Jericho Sims posting, I believe the second, if not third highest ever uh, NBA combine vertical leap, again, as a center at 250 some odd uh, pounds, just, just silly, stupid things that aren't supposed to happen when you're almost seven feet tall. You shouldn't also have one of the tallest verticals. But there was a video that also this week, one of my favorite things I saw was him in a <clears throat> in a dunk contest where he, he, he jumped and took a ball off the bounce for an alley-oop and hit his head uh, on the rim because he jumped too high. Uh, also, a thing that doesn't always happen. Uh, 
very rarely happens is he dunked the ball and the ball landed a full second before he landed on the ground um, because, again, he was much higher than where the ball was through the rim, um, which is stupid. Again, these things don't like necessarily follow the the laws of physics uh, as we know them. Um, and the other uh, was Texas will be taking on um, taking on uh, on ABC's uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. They're airing a segment called College Knowledge. And uh, Texas will be taking on Jalen Suggs and Joel uh, Ayai from Gonzaga. And so they will be putting their best out there. We have, uh, hosted by Anthony Anderson, we have Mo Bamba and Miles Turner, which again, I don't know that there's a taller t- pair of two dudes who will be competing on this show or even in the uh, greater <laughs> ranks uh, who hang out together. About 14 and a, and a quarter feet of dudes will be representing UT uh, on this, which I think is just awesome i also watch the i don't know if this is a competing show but peyton manning has a show uh on tv and uh it's hilarious and you should watch it because it's peyton manning but where colleges do basically jeopardy um called college bowl uh, but anyways so college knowledge will feature uh mo bamba and uh miles turner being giant and representing ut because we need to win at everything we won the director's cup and i think that includes the uh trivia knowledge of our former athletes but uh, a lot of good things just to watch this week they should at least get a few points for being a cumulative 14 feet tall. That should be part of the competition. Uh, but I'm banging the drum this week on, I don't know how to say it, other than like everybody needs to calm down. There is this weird sentiment that's like, I, I sometimes make the mistakes of being bored, like I've got a baby and so sometimes I'll have to rock him and I'll get on, I'll get on the message boards just because I've got nothing better to do with my time. And so there's this weird sentiment that like, People are comparing Chris Beard's immediate recruiting success in the transfer portal with what Steve Sarkeesian is doing recruiting. And I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be rude, but that's like not very, a very smart thing to do. <laughs> um, the landscape of recruiting, as far as the transfer portal, transfer portal goes, is a little different on in basketball than it is in football. And Chris Beard not only has the has an advantage of being able to sell his results at Texas Tech, but he also had one guy on the roster 90 days ago. <laughs> he had to be really good at this because if not, we were going to run him out of town in 90 days like we do with every coach. And so, like, he had to be really good. Now, nobody told him to land a bunch of top-tier players, including the best player in the transfer portal, uh, Marcus Carr, who, again, CBS had him as the number one player in the transfer portal. So coming out of Minnesota, he was averaging like 19 a game. Um, But, you know, again, Beard landed a ton of talent. Timmy Allen, the number six player. Trey Mitchell, the number nine player. Dylan DeSue, the number 20 player. Christian Bishop, the number 33 player. And again, in 90 days, he managed to go from Brock Cunningham and nothing to a, a starting five that could legitimately play for a final four. And we'll talk more about this on Thursday with, with Nick, but like part of this is like you've got to recruit at this high level when you only got one guy. Newsflash, you got to field at least five to play basketball. So uh, having to land these people is, is incredible. But again, let's just pump the brakes. Expectations for the basketball team are too high, right? Let's just start with winning a game in the stinking co- in the in the NCAA tournament. Let's just start there. Final four predictions, national championship predictions. Get those polls off your Twitter. <laughs> get those conversations away. Let's just start with winning a game 
in the tournament because that is where Texas is at right now. Win a stinking game. And again, on the flip side, take a deep breath. It's a long time to December signing day and even longer till February signing day. Texas will land players, especially when they start the season 5-0 and going into OU, maybe 6-0 and if they can beat OU, right? If they can build some momentum, things are going to be okay. So everybody, just chill. Look, guys. We're already in peak off-season mode, and it's just July 19th. Let's just chill. Look, guys, I love that. The circuit of America's is in Austin. We've internalized all gas, no brakes. But look, when, when, when the elite drivers of Formula One come to Austin and drive that racetrack or any racetrack, I'm going to let you in on a secret. They use a lot of gas, but they also use the appropriate amount of brake to win on those tracks. You got to have the best car. You got to drive it well. You got to gas it. All gas going forward. But you do need the occasional brake. I'm not sitting here trying to undermine Mr. Sarkeesian. All gas, no brakes. On a straightaway, uh, but occasionally there are there are curves, and you do want to hit those brakes so you don't go out of control into the wall. Uh, and if you time the brakes just right and your acceleration just right, you can even pass people on the curves. That's the extended version of all gas, no brakes except when applicable. Um, so uh, pump the brakes just a smidge, uh, and otherwise keep that foot on the throttle. All gas, keep the expectations high where they deserve to be and belong to be. But let's be a little bit realistic and let's 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 temper that with a little bit of reality a uh top 10 finish would be great top five finish would be excellent a final four run let's do it second in school history uh you know uh, let's start there build creating a dynasty here guys we don't have to win it all overnight and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter i'm at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodertraw. Show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Again, we'll be back on Thursday with our friend Nick Harris to talk about the big week in basketball recruiting. Texas picked up, um, again, Marcus Carr, the point guard, and five star point guard, Arterio Morris, in the 2022 class. We'll have Nick on on Thursday to talk about all that. Thank you all so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time. Hook em. Hook em. Disregard everything I said. Top 10 Texas is the only thing acceptable at the school. If it's less than 10, fire the coaches. Mm-hmm.